we're starting to see an advent of tuning these models. So I'm trying to take these generalized models and train them specifically on my area or my domain, as they call it. Um, there are a couple products on the market right now that are getting very good at that. You mentioned coding. Uh, so GitHub Copilot is very good at uh, taking that uh, large language model, that general model, and specifically uh, applying it to programming languages to where you can give it a prompt, can give me a program written in Perl that will sort a list of hockey players uh, by their ability to score goals. Uh, Who was the guy that scored all the goals that went from the Oilers to the LA Kings? I forgot his name now. The oh, Bill no. Oh, now that's heresy. You can't say you forgot Wayne Gretzky's name. Who? <laughs> yeah, that's a criminal offense. North of so, Mark, we've been talking today about generative AI, which is a really a collection of products and approaches. What do you, When you think about that space, it sounds super powerful, but you know, with power often comes risk. Are there any problems that you think about when we think about generative AI? There's a number of things. So first off, yes, what you talk about the inaccuracy of the of the answers that you get back, um, that exists. In fact, in AI terminology, it's called a hallucination, not making that up. That's the actual technical term. Um, but the, the idea is that if you were to ask it, uh, like you said, I have a runny nose, what could be the cause? And it says hyperinflation, or brain cancer, or Wayne Gretzky got traded to the LA Kings. <laughs> all true, all true. All true, all true, and definitely all cause running knows. There are several techniques now that are being used to combat that. Several hours ago, saw a demo of a product that is using output from several large language models uh, and, and uh, using that to, to kind of lay a comparative foundation for how would you detect uh, a hallucination. Uh, definitely that's a problem. Another problem, um, if I'm giving prompts and I say, can you write me a um, mortgage rejection letter for Ned Engelke for the property on 123 Elm Street uh, because his credit, his credit score was below 32 and his bank account number da, 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 had a balance less than 15. And I give the prompt, it writes a beautiful letter, that's terrific, and I go on my way and I send you your mortgage rejection letter. But the problem is, what happened to that information that I used as a prompt? Where did it go? Yeah. I let that uh, you know, personal identifiable information, probably some PCI data, you know, uh, I, I let that go outside of my protected firewall and kind of all bets are off as to what gets, uh, you know, what that gets used for. Okay, that's a really interesting point, Mark. So you're telling me that all of these people credulously interacting with more, the mortgage application software, yeah. that sounds worse than uh, connecting to your email server without a VPN, whatever that is. Yep. Remember some of the first days of the internet, right? You, you'd have to tell your parents, no, there isn't a Nigerian prince. Don't send them the money, right? That's kind of the phase that we're in. By the way, did you ever get any of your money back from that, Ned? Yeah, all of it. I got every dollar that I ever gave to the Nigerian prince in an internet scam, I got it back. <laughs> You're my hero. <laughs> but uh, no, that's kind of the phase that we're in, that Wild Wild West phase right now. Um, so that's a huge risk.